بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لن تنالوا البر حتى تنفقوا مما تحبون وما تنفقوا من شيء فإن الله به عليم So today we're going to look at the fourth juz of the Quran. The fourth juz of the Quran is a continuation of Surah Ali Imran, which started in the previous juz. And then it goes on and towards the end, it, um, towards the end of the fourth juz, Surah Ali Imran completes, and then Surah An-Nisa begins. So let us look at some of the main themes in this juz, because it's difficult to complete the whole juz today uh, in one go. But the first thing is the first verse, which is verse 92 of Surah Ali Imran. You cannot gain piety, you cannot attain piety until you spend of that which you love. That's really, really important. This is a very prominent verse. And one of the reasons for this is that if you want piety to Allah, sincerity, piety, righteousness to Allah, how do you prove that? It's very easy to give away what you don't need. It's very easy to say, I'm not using this anymore, let me give this away. But what happens if there's something that you really love and cherish and somebody wants it? That's the test. I've had this test and I've probably failed many times, but I was in Vienna and we went to a masjid. And I had uh, a green shawl just like this one. And it was my favorite one. I only had one green one. I have a number of shawls, but that green one was a very cherished one. And that was a really, really strange program because I had to literally speak in three languages. Because there were some people who only understood English, some who only understood Urdu, and some who only understood Arabic. And in Vienna, they speak, I think, German, different languages like that, and I couldn't speak that. So I could not speak the language that probably united them. So I had to speak in literally Urdu, Arabic and English. And there was a convert brother and he came and he said, I really like your shawl, where did you get it from? So I could tell him it's from the Khan Khalili in, in Egypt, uh, in Cairo, famous, famous uh, souk. And I remembered this verse. I said, I failed miserably many times. I said, this time I took it off and I gave it to him. Right? And I felt really bad afterwards because I didn't have another one like that. It was my favorite shawl. But ajeeb, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives back in abundance. Uh, a student of mine, he got me, I don't know, 10 of these, of different colors. And then after another friend of mine, he brought me another five or six of them. So now, alhamdulillah, I'm sitting on, and I've given out so many. I went to the Balkans and gave out a few to the different imams down there. I, Allah will give you back. It's, a, it's an example I'm giving you. That despite, you know, I've failed a lot of times, but one, once I tried to do it. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives back in amazing, especially when it's something that you really cherish. People have given bigger, bigger things, so the shal is nothing. Right? So that, that's what it is. It's to show piety that you're doing it for the sake of Allah. Why would you do something like that? Because you're doing it out of the goodness of your heart, hopefully, for this person they need it. So you're giving it away for the sake of Allah. 
for the sake of assisting somebody. That's what it is. Ali radiallahu anhu is giving his last coins away, his last dirhams away. And mashallah Allah gives him back. So the altruism, to do something for the sake of somebody else, this is a very cherished characteristic. Everybody respects that. Everybody respects that. And it's respected by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because that's what he's encouraging here as well. So thereafter that there's some discussion about the obligation of Hajj. This is the famous verse about the obligation of the pilgrimage. Verse 97. Before that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the first house, the Kaaba, the house of Allah being established in Makkah Mukarramah. So all of that discussion is there. And then after that, a lot of the discussion of the rest of this surah is about the Ahlul Kitab, the people of the book, the Christians and the Jews. Various different follies of theirs, mistakes of theirs, deviances of theirs, contradictions of theirs, and certain warnings that don't follow them because they were a previous nation. Uh, the, the new nation is Islam. The new Ummah is Islam because that we have the last prophet. So Isa alayhi salam, before him Musa alayhi salam, they were the prophets of their time. So anybody who followed them at their time were on the right path, were correct. But then when the next prophet came, they had to follow that new prophet and leave any leave the previous prophet, uh, or not leave the previous prophet, but because the reason for the new prophet was a lot of changes had taken place in the previous prophet's message. So you couldn't continue on an incorrect message, an altered message. That's why the next one had to be taken. So when Muhammad came about 600 or so years, just less than 600 years after Isa, that was the new message. That was the fresh message. That was the correct and clear and rejuvenated, refreshed, new revitalized message. They had to accept that. And some people did, other people did not. So there's this whole discussion that don't follow the follies and the wrongs of the nations before you. For example, verse 105 says, Don't be like those people who split up, differed with one another after the clear, clear, clear signs and clear things came to them. And these people, for, them, for these people, there will be a punishment. Before that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that if you do follow the way of some of the Ahlul Kitab, they'll actually turn you in the wrong direction. For example, verse 100, Ya ayyuhaladheena amanu in tuti'u fariqam min alladheena utul kitaba yarudduukum ba'da imanikum kafirin. They'll turn you back uh, into disbelievers if you follow them. This is a major challenge because when we live among different civilizations, there's always... A taken, a given, a take. There's also always influence. There's always going to have that, right? So um, we have to be careful how much we can take. You can take the good, we avoid the bad. That's a universal rule. Wherever you go, take the good, avoid the bad. But the bad, sometimes, the unhealthy, is attractive. And that's what makes it difficult. Allah reminds us, He says, وَكَيْفَ تَكْفُرُونَ How can you disbelieve? وَأَنْتُمْ تُتْلَى عَلَيْكُمْ آيَاتُ اللَّهِ and the verses of Allah are constantly recited upon you. That actually shows that if the ayat are not recited upon you, if you're not in touch with the Qur'an, it's so easy to become misguided. The Qur'an is what gives us sustenance and nourishment. You should always read at least even a page of Qur'an a day and reflect over it.
Otherwise, it's so easy to become de- deviant. وَفِيكُمْ رَسُولُهُ Among you is his messenger. And there's a constant discussion about holding on to the true path, holding on to the rope. So you've got وَمَنْ يَعْتَصِمْ بِاللَّهِ فَقَدْ هُدِيَ إِلَى صِرَاطِ مُسْتَقِيمٍ Whoever relies on Allah, they've been guided to the straight path. Then two verses the, uh, down, وَاعْتَصِمُوا بِحَبْلِ اللَّهِ جَمِيعًا وَلَا تَفَرَّقُوا Hold on to... وَاعْتَصِمُوا بِحَبْلِ اللَّهِ جَمِيعًا وَلَا تَفَرَّقُوا Rely and hold on to the rope of Allah altogether and do not separate. One of the biggest calamities in the Muslim Ummah that has led to our downfall in many instances and setbacks has been differences, has been conflicts within ourselves. It's the easiest way to overcome any group. Just create diversion between them, create a division between them. Because what happens when you create division is that you get weaker. Your word, your efforts, your energy, your wealth, your resources can't be together. It gets distributed. It's a simple rule. Divide and rule. Simple rule. It's a very simple rule. And we've fallen for that. And I guess other nations have as well. We've fallen for that over and over and over and over again. Sometimes you're strong. There's nothing that can you know, overcome you. But then you get divided and you start fighting with one another. I mean, this has been the case in Subhanallah in Afghanistan has been like that. I mean, only, uh, you know, maybe recently has it all come under one rule and, and maybe that rule will survive uh, if no more factions are created. Subhanallah. And like that, you got all other, the Middle East and all of these various different places. Look at what happened in the Indian subcontinent. You get, uh, mashallah, Bangladesh now in uh, Pakistan and then India. And India is having problem with the Muslims are having problems in India now. Subhanallah, may Allah subhanahu wa taala make it easy. But this is really important. That's why Allah subhanahu wa taala says, "Remember Allah's bounty upon you, Allah's gift upon you, that you were enemies before." This is talking about the Aws and Khazraj, for example, the two main tribes. They were actually one tribe. They were the Banu Qayla tribe. If they go back, they go to the Banu Qayla tribe. They're actually one tribe. But then they'd split up. And one had become Aus. One had become Khazraj. And then after that, they had some conflicts. And for about a hundred years, they were killing one another. So that's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is reminding them of things like this. That you were enemies and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reconciled between your hearts. And then you became brothers with the bounty of Allah. So that's a good example of where it can happen when you do things for the right reason. And you are on the edge, the, on the edge of hell. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala released you from that, brought you back from that. Now, one of the du'as, you can actually read this du'a. Whenever you have a little issue with somebody, I found this very useful. You know when you have a little misunderstanding with somebody? You're having a discussion. It could be with your spouse. It could be with your children. It could be with a friend, a neighbor. Somebody else, you had a little misunderstanding or something, and you know, you have these things, it happens. Right? Somebody's having a bad day, maybe you're angry from before, maybe you're frustrated, and then somebody says something and you say something back, and you know, the hearts get a bit, uh, a bit affected. Read, Allahumma alif bayna qulubina. Allahumma aslih data bayna. I found it very useful. Oh Allah, reconcile between our hearts and resolve the affairs or reform the affairs, our matters between us. And mashallah, you get barakah with that. The other person and you, you know, you both, the heart opens up 
and you're able to reconcile that. These du'as are useful, they're really, really useful. So I found that very useful. Allahumma alif bayna qulubina, Allahumma aslih data bayna. Then there's a number of discussion, there's a number of advices here about what not to do. And especially about separation. Again, in, you know, uh, uh, don't separate. This, there's several discussions here about you being the best of the ummah. Because you command the good and prohibit the evil. Showing mutual responsibility. Mutual goodness. And that is one of the most important topics and methods of a community remaining on balance. Because if everybody starts thinking, I'm a sinner, so I can't say anything. There's people who actually think, because I'm a sinner, because I do one sin, or I'm involved in X, Y, and Z, I can't say anything to anyone. Um, they say that if that was the case, then after the Prophet Muhammad wasallam, nobody would have been able to command any good. Because who's perfect after the Prophet wasallam? Beyond the, who's, who's perfect? Nobody. The only thing that I think is bad is a hypocrisy. Where you do that thing purposely, you enjoy doing it, you want to, and you tell everybody not to do it. That's hypocrisy. But if there's something you're struggling with, you don't want to do it, but sometimes you fail and you do it, but you warn others against it as well. What's wrong with that? And then you get caught failing once. Or you're a hypocrite. No, the guy is not a hypocrite. He's struggling. That's what he's doing. He's trying to help others. He's trying to help himself. A hypocrite is the one who enjoys doing it and who you know, takes pleasure in doing so but tells everybody else, you shouldn't do it. You know, that's a hypocrite. So the world labels you a hypocrite straight away. And people fear that I might be a hypocrite, that's why I don't want to say anything to them. But the problem with that is that the whole community goes down. Let's just say somebody starts a haram business. Nobody says anything because you're, you want to keep diplomatic. You want to keep civil. You want to be polite. Right? Politically correct, or whatever the modern trend is. Right? So you don't say anything. Somebody else sees that, they do it. You know, you can, oh, maybe that's a good idea, I do it as well. They get engaged in doing the same thing. Everybody will be doing it. Now, can you see you've just lowered the community? There's a sin that has crept in. If somebody makes a noise, and nicely of course, then you can have benefits. Even if you can't stop the person, at least others will say, no, it's wrong. At least the people who are conscious. Otherwise, shaitan just misleads. That's why Amr al-Ma'roof and Nahi al-Munkar, so many places Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about that. Kuntum khayra ummatin, the next verse, 110. Kuntum khayra ummatin, ukhrijat linnas, ta'muruna bil-ma'roofi wa tanhawna anil munkar, wa tu'minuna billah. Several discussions of this. There's a lot of social discussion here. Of course, we don't have time to go into all of this in detail. But read these verses yourself. There's a lot of social discussion of how to relate to one another. Then again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala discusses about the Yahud and um, a lot of contradictions and then uh, what punishments came to them and all the rest of that. Uh, there's a discussion about all of that. Then there's a discussion about not taking bad friends. There's a discussion about not taking bad friends. Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu. لا تتخذوا بطانة من دونكم لا يألونكم خبالا ودوا ما عنتم قد بدت البغضاء من أفواههم. Especially be careful about those people who are your enemies really. They're only befriending you to misguide you, to take you away, to make you on their side. They don't really care about you or your faith. They're just doing this. They're supporting you. They may be providing free handouts free hospital treatment, 
but it's not for any other reason but to weaken you. So be very careful about that. Be very careful about the kinds of friends that you take as well. Thereafter that, there's a big discussion after that on the Battle of Uhud. The Battle of Uhud was a really strange battle. Battle of Badr, the one that took place before that, that was won outright. However, when it came to Battle of Badr, uh, Uhud, initially, mashallah, the Muslims were victorious. And they managed to root the enemy. But in the midst of that, there's a whole discussion, and you know the story about the mount where the archers had been left. And they thought that the victory has been, uh, has been attained, and they disobeyed their Amir. Their leader said, no, 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 wait here, we still have to protect this area. But because they saw the spoils of war or whatever else attracted them, they decided to move from there. Khalid bin, bin Walid, who's on the other side at this time, chief strategist, he sees this weakness and then he attacks. And then after that, there's a massive chaos. Alhamdulillah, the Prophet ﷺ is taken to safety. And there's a whole discussion about that. So that discussion, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives them a number of, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comforts them causes tranquility to descend upon them and a number of lessons are uh, derived from this. You'll have to read this in detail. The number, a number of uh, lessons are spoken about here. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promises a number of things. For example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, بَلَا إِن تَصْبِرُوا وَتَتَّقُوا وَيَأْتُوكُمْ مِنْ فَوْرِهِمْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that uh, uh, you're going to have divine assistance. If you're patient, and you have taqwa and God-fearingness, Allah will assist you with 5,000 angels. And there are many reports about the battles, Uhud and other places where the angels were seen assisting. And uh, even in the beginning of the 10th Jews, you'll see a discussion about how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He wants you to win, He will show your enemy to be very small in front of you very minor and it's uh, battles are a lot about psychology a lot about morale raising the morale raising the psychology if you see your enemy as weak and less in number then you feel much more strong and strengthened to to fight otherwise when you see a big army you that in its in it on its own weakens you so that's what they do. They use strategies to make themselves look bigger than they are and the might that they show. Sometimes just might build, uh, wins the war because the other person doesn't want to get destroyed. Ajeeb tensions that we go through for these kind of things. Now in the midst of this discussion, there's a discussion about some of the problems that are going to weaken you. So uh, in the third, in, uh, earlier on, there was a discussion about interest, how it's so harmful. Again here in verse 130, Don't consume interest in a compound way. Don't consume interest over interest. Fear Allah so that you can be successful. And beware of the fire that has been prepared for the disbelievers. And follow, uh, obey Allah and His Messenger so that you can have mercy. You can be given mercy. And hasten towards the forgiveness of your Lord. This is for those who made a mistake. Maybe they were involved in riba transactions. Maybe they did buy their house on interest. Maybe they did do something wrong. 
Well, Allah is saying that doesn't mean that you're condemned forever. That doesn't mean that now you must dispose of your house. Right? If you've paid it off, or whatever the case, you're out of the interest now. Now, run to the forgiveness from your Lord and a paradise whose breadth, whose width is the heavens and the earth and that's been prepared for the ones with... You can still gain taqwa afterwards. That's the beauty of Islam. You can make tawbah and you can gain, you, you can gain taqwa and be close to Allah. Then after that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions a number of characteristics that believers should have. He praises people with this characteristic. So this is uh, from verse 133 to about 138. Um, it says, أُعِدَّتْ لِلْمُتَّقِينَ That paradise which has been made for the righteous ones. Who are the righteous ones? You can say, okay, who's the one, who is the one with taqwa? Who are we speaking about? So Allah says, I'll tell you. Those who spend both in prosperity and in adversity. Now it might be a bit easier to spend in prosperity. There's another fitna when you have too much. When you have too much sometimes, and you're a very calculating, shrewd businessman, uh, I was told that you're never going to get money of somebody who's too wealthy because their money is always accounted for. I'm going to make that investment. And as soon as this one gets ready, I'm going to make that investment. So they don't have any spare money to give to people because they're just making it work for themselves. Sometimes you're better off with somebody on a kind of a moderate salary that they don't have these big aims and goals and they've not got it in a system, subhanAllah. Right? So Allah is saying, spend even in that. Although it should be easy for you to spend and you've got abundance, if giving a hundred pound is not going to make a big dent, I mean, any dent at all maybe, but you still feel difficult that you can give, like, be honest, like, giving a hundred pounds, is that difficult for you? Is it just your emotion that's stopping you? Is it just this inner greed, inner miserliness that's stopping you? Is it no tawakkul on Allah, or you don't love Allah enough, that that's why you're not giving? Or you don't trust Allah enough that He's going to give you back? Or that you don't need the reward. What is the reason? It could be any of these reasons. And the other one is, in difficulty, that's even more difficult. Because you don't have and you still give, but believe me, if you want one amazing side business, if you want to earn extra income on the side, then go and do Uber. That's what people think. Right? I'm going to do taxis. I'm going to do Ubers. It's so easy to jump on the Uber. You know, you just sign up and whenever, as you wish. They think that's a good side business, and maybe it is a good, decent side, side business. Right? If you want a better side business, but this one requires tawakkul, is that you just give sadaqah. I guarantee you, you will get your money back much more. And the easiest way to do it is just put a direct debit. Every week or every month. Starting Ramadan, maybe you'll get the reward, the multiplied rewards of Ramadan because you started in Ramadan. Wallahu alam. Right? Maybe you'll get that reward to your local masjid, Ummah Welfare Trust, relief organizations, right? White Thread Institute. All of these, put a direct debit, £2, £5, £10, whatever. It will keep going every month, inshallah. You will see the benefit. I'm not joking. You will see the benefit. Allah promises it. Allah promises it over and over again, right? And that's a wonderful side business. It's a wonderful side business. It's good for your heart, good for your iman, good for your wealth, good for your prosperity. Thereafter, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says the next characteristic. Well, kafi min al-ghayf. 
It's a major debilitating, one of the biggest factors of problems in marriage is anger. And you know what? There's a solution. There's a remedy, but people don't take it because they don't think they've got an anger problem. Right? It destroys marriages. It destroys relationships. It destroys communities. Go and get help. You can get anger management courses. Need to control your anger. These are the people Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praises, those who control their anger. MashaAllah, open-hearted. They're willing to forgive people. Because people do wrong. You know, somebody's going to say something. Somebody's going to do something. Somebody's not going to do something. You may forget and you get a bit upset. Okay, that's fine. Just forgive. Learn to forgive. You can't fight every battle. You can't keep every single grudge. What a baggage on your mind. What a burden on yourself. A burden on your heart. Try to remain burden free. That's how you get less stress. Forget things. Forgive things. That's how you'll get less burden. But people like, they, they remember everything. As though, subhanAllah, they're going to have to give account for it. You know, these are all the grudges that I had. You know what, sometimes I don't even remember. Like I, I just, like so out of it, like I just try not to even remember it. Of course you do, you can't be so silly that you get knocked from the same hole twice. But you, you, you can't be so obsessive about getting everybody back for everything. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Wallahu yuhibbul muhsineen. Allah loves the doers of good in any way whatsoever. Do doers of good. And then, وَالَّذِينَ إِذَا فَعَلُوا فَاحِشَةً And then another characteristic is the people who when they do some kind of immoral thing, unchaste thing, أَوْ ظَلَمُوا أَنفُسَهُمْ Or they oppress themselves somehow, they get a bit off track. They do something wrong. Ramadan is finished, so <clears throat> they go and indulge somewhere. أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ But then after that, ذَكَرُوا اللَّهِ Then after that, they remember Allah. And they seek forgiveness from, for their sin, for their wrong. Allah is telling us that we know you're going to do wrong. We know you're going to fail. We know you're going to stumble and go off track for a while, maybe. Go and seek forgiveness because these are the muttaqeen eventually, right? And in the middle, Allah reminds, who is the one who can forgive sins except Allah anyway? Like, why don't you understand that Allah is the one who forgives sins? There's nobody else who can do that. This is the main thing. And they are not persistent on their wrongs, what they're doing. Look, we can fail. But the wrong thing is to carry on failing. Is to carry on doing that. That's the bigger wrong. It's wrong to start, and that can happen. But then to carry on and stay down and keep... Uh, in the mud is the bigger problem. وَهُمْ يَعْلَمُونَ While they know. And then, subhanAllah, Allah then says, أُولَٰئِكَ جَزَاؤُهُمْ مَغْفِرَةٌ مِّن رَبِّهِمْ وَجَنَّاتٌ تَجْرِي مِن تَحْتِهَا الْأَنْهَارُ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا وَنِعْمَ أَجْرُ الْعَامِلِينَ These are the people, their reward is forgiveness from their Lord. Allah is promising you, He's telling you, I'm giving it to you. Like, come and take it. That's all you have to do. I'm giving it to you. I'm here to give it to you. And so you get forgiveness for your Lord. And based on that now, he says you get jannat, gardens, beneath which rivers flow to, be, to dwell in there forever. And what a wonderful reward Allah is saying for those who do, do the work. For those who do the What a wonderful reward. Thereafter that... <clears throat> There's a few other prominent verses. Verse 139 is very important. Very important, especially when you're in an oppressed state. 
and when you're persecuted, when you're going through calamities and troubles. وَلَا تَهِنُوا وَلَا تَحْزَنُوا وَأَنْتُمُ الْأَعْلَوْنَ إِن كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ Don't become feeble, don't grieve, and you will remain elevated and high if you are true believers. This is the difficulty, you know when you get grief, when you have trouble, when you have oppression, when you have difficulty, people start thinking in wrong ways. I've just been told by a scholar from India, you know, there's Hindus, uh, they're doing a lot of problems, the, the BJP, not the Hindus, I mean, the Hindus have been a very good community for so long, uh, lived with the Muslims for, for centuries. But it's, the, it's this ruling party, this extreme group. Um, they, uh, the, it, what it's doing is that for some people inside, this is what happens, for some people, for some Muslims, they're joining that same group in certain areas. Why? Well, it could be for self-protection. Another one is for benefit. Because remember I said that they will divide. In order to, to weaken people, they will divide your group. So they're giving you, giving you incentives to join. And the, there may be short-lived benefits in that. You may get, they may give you a bit of money or they may give you some uh, other perks or whatever. But eventually the purpose, the agenda is very clear, is to actually purify the Indian and the India. They say everybody's originally Hindu and that's why they should get back to being Hindu. That's what they say, right? Because, and I mean, little do they understand that many of the Muslims, they actually, uh, yes, many of them are converts from Hinduism, but many of them actually have came because India had uh, huge, uh, uh, large-scale uh, correspondence, trade, uh, with many, many countries. Yemen has a, had, had a huge influence in the Indian subcontinent. Many Muslims are there of Yemeni background, for example, and of other Middle Eastern, you know, uh, other areas as well. So that, that's, that's what's going on. And uh, so, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is promising that, look, stay believers. It's going to be difficult. Ya ayyuhaladheena amanu sbiru wa sabiru wa rabitu wa la'allakum right? Thereafter that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks in Surah Al-Nisa. Now Surah Al-Nisa, uh, we don't have enough time for that. Um, you guys can, um, uh, what you can do is, uh, we have on zamzamacademy.com, we've got um, 30 Jews covered. It's just one hour per Jews that gives you a synopsis of the whole. Here we're just doing in half an hour which we don't get covered in that one. It's a bit of more comprehensive coverage, not in, not in 100% detail because in one hour how much you can cover, but you can listen to that in your own time. And uh, mashallah, many people have benefited from it in Ramadan. So it's called uh, 30 Jews in 30 days. In Ramadan, it's on Zamzam Academy. You can check it out. Surah Al-Nisa has a lot of ahkam. It has a lot of rules in there. A number of rules about, talks about... Uh, Yatim, the orphans. Most of the rules regarding orphans, many of the rules are there here, telling you how to administrate their affairs. And can you take from their wealth if you're spending on them, if you're looking after them and sponsoring them, uh, taking care of them, fostering them rather. So all of that discussion is there. Then there's the discussion about how many wives a man is allowed to marry, and but being just... The, the concept of justice, especially among the wives, uh, that, that discussion is there. 
Thereafter that, there's a discussion about, the major discussion then comes about distribution of your inheritance. As you know with the Qur'an, Allah says, أَقِيمُ الصَّلَةِ zakah." How much zakat to give is not mentioned in the Qur'an. Right, like exactly how much? 2.5%, that's not mentioned in the Qur'an. But there's lots of repetition about give zakat. And if you don't give zakat, what happens? And there's discussion about pray and establish the prayer. But how many rak'ats of prayer, what to read in the prayer, that discussion is not clearly mentioned. But when it comes to inheritance, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lays it out very clearly. And that is, you'll see that from verse 11 onwards, it's so clear. Who gets what share when somebody dies? Under what circumstance and what condition, then who gets it? Right, so that's uh, the laws of bequest I mentioned. Thereafter, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a discussion about, um, a discussion about uh, punishment for homosexuals. Right, a lot of people think that homosexual discussion is only in the story of Lut alayhi salam. But actually these two verses are discussing that same thing, which is verse 15 and 16. That discussion is there in verse 15 and 16 of that. Thereafter, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lays out a really important principle and criteria, which is that for whom is tawbah and repentance. Repentance is for those who may do a wrong deed in ignorance, in unawareness, and then after that very soon they make tawbah and repent to Allah. Allah relents. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts them. Tawbah is not for the one who does a bad deed. And then when it comes to his death, he says, oh, now I, you know, when he sees that he's needy, he's gone. Like literally when the angel, now he's saying, I am making tawbah. No, not then. Any time before that is close enough. Any time before the last moment is close enough. But that's a risk. The closest is as soon as possible. And we should, uh, that should be our priority. The second thing we should do as a, uh, as a safety net measure is that every so often we should make a, a tawbah for everything. And then especially in Ramadan, especially on Laylatul Bara'a, especially when you go for Umrah, Hajj, whatever, and so on and so forth. And then after that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins the discussion which then continues into the fifth juz about who you can marry and who you cannot marry. The, for a man, uh, which women are allowed for them to marry, which relatives are not allowed to be married, who are mahrams, who are non-mahrams, who are marriageable, who are not, and other discussions regarding that as well, uh, discussion about uh, marriage-related issues. And that continues tomorrow uh, on to into the next juz. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the tawfiq to understand the Qur'an, be elevated by the Qur'an, be illuminated by the Qur'an, be... Uh, uh, go, go higher in paradise with the Qur'an, to memorize the Qur'an, to preserve the Qur'an, to be dignified by the Qur'an, to be honored by the Qur'an. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make the Qur'an what it's supposed to be for us. May Allah uh, allow us to adopt that and benefit from that. Uh, the point of a lecture is to encourage people to act, to get further, an inspiration, an encouragement, persuasion. The next step is to actually start learning seriously, to read books, to take on a subject of Islam and to understand all the subjects of Islam, at least at their basic level, so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us. Uh, and that's why we started uh, Rayyan courses, so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time, especially, for example, the Islamic Essentials uh, course that we have on there, the Islamic Essentials Certificate, which 
you take 20 short modules and at the end of that inshallah you will have gotten the, the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in Islam and you'll feel a lot more confident. You don't have to leave lectures behind, you can continue to, leave, uh, you know, to listen to lectures, but you need to have this more sustained study as well. Jazakallah khair and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.